What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to a new episode of the Phoenix of May and Fitness Podcast. Uh, this episode is uh, our, I hope you're having a nice Sunday. It's uh, really nice weather. It's actually like perfect weather. Um, so I hope you've been having a good Sunday or you're having a good Sunday or whatever day you listen to this on. Um, yeah, this one's uh, titled, I think this is an important one to get out. Um, it's uh, I'll try to do a reminder every once in a while, but doing the podcast the way that I can scale it instead of having to repeat it, you know, uh, 200 times. Times. Um, like it's hard to say it to every single student, but this is a good way to scale and uh, get some important stuff, important stuff out for old students as a reminder or new students, especially for new students. Uh, this is a really important one. Um, and, you know, every once in a while you need a reminder on stuff. Uh, this one, why do people that uh, should pace themselves sprint? Okay. Um, so why does the guy with terrible cardio, like go super, super hard and sprint and blow themselves out in two minutes of the first round when the, and then often actually just about all the times so that it really experienced people pace themselves and actually go at a lower intensity. And uh, I say lower intensity, just gauge themselves more. So obviously there's a skill gap thing that's going to be with that, but I, there's still purple belts, brown belts, black belts, whatever. There's still people that will do this. Um, and explanations for this, why people that, um, should pace themselves do not. Okay. So we're going to try to get past, uh, uh, try to fix this. Um, so, it's going to be really important if you're a new student or if you've taken a break. Maybe you had an injury or you just had to work extra um, the, the last few months. You have a meal train as often. Um, this is really important. But this is also important for the advanced competitors as well. It's important for everybody. But um, if you're one of the advanced competitors, you probably hear me uh, harp on this often enough. So, But if you're a new student or if you've been taking a break, this one's going to be really important. Um, yeah, so um, let's see. Uh, first thing. We'll go over a, a re- recap um, of what we've been doing the last uh, few weeks, or the last two weeks, the last 10 days, really. It's been a really successful week. Uh, one second, let me check on my daughter. She she got into something. Oh, it's Kevin. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, the last week or so, uh, recap, really cool stuff. Really good stuff. So, um, let's say last Saturday, we had... We had Hunter and Jackson. We had a, we had a smaller group at Naga, um, but the standouts were Hunter and Jackson. Um, they both for the Naga won their weight class. They're, they're, I believe, one weight class separated. Jackson's a lighter one than one weight class up, I believe. There, there might be a weight class in between them. Uh, I'd have to double check. But um, both of them won their expert division, so they won the Naga championship belt. Um, and uh, they're both they're both blue belts. They're both very good blue belts. Very competitive. Um, good wrestlers. Good jujitsu. They're good leg locks. Good mat work. Good bottom. Taught them all uh, well round, well rounded. Um, but uh, but yeah, they won. They both won the expert division. And the expert division is for five years plus training. Neither one of them have trained jujitsu for five years. Uh, so that's uh, pretty cool. You, usually the 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 expert division is. Uh, for Jews are going to be your brown belt, black belt division and, uh, college wrestlers. Um, and both Jackson and Hunter both had, they both went against division one college wrestlers. 
Um, Hunter beat uh, his opponent is a Division One wrestler out of Ohio. Um, I can't remember the college right now where it was, but it's not Ohio State. But um, Division One wrestler out of Ohio, he beat him six zero. Jackson beat uh, Division One wrestler, I believe, from Arizona State, and he uh, submitted him in maybe two or three minutes. Uh, the guy didn't even score a point on him. Um, so you know, there's lots of memes where people are scared, and I get it. It's comedy and stuff where jujitsu people are like startled or scared of like college wrestlers and stuff or division one or whatever but um comedy's okay but uh but yeah none of that in our gym i mean we just we have plenty of wrestlers uh, we have tons of our students are previous high school or they're still in high school or they used to wrestle in college so um we have a whole bunch of wrestlers so we're not scared of wrestlers it's just uh you know we're not scared of wrestlers because because we are wrestlers a lot of jiu-jitsu people get scared of wrestlers and it's because they they are not wrestlers. They don't know how to wrestle, and they don't they don't work on it. And if they were smart, this podcast is an important episode. They could get good at wrestling, um, but uh, this is going to be some of the reasons why they don't get good at takedowns, why they don't get good at wrestling. It's a mixture of ego and uh, e- ego ignorance. Uh, we'll say willful ignorance, uh, just choosing not to um, not to make adjustments and continue studying. And it could be bad advice too. They could have bad coaching, bad advice. Um, uh, but yeah, they, they killed it in that. And then that was last Saturday and then that was in the morning. Then the PM at night we had, uh, Cameron Tompkins and Brandon Love, um, both had kickboxing bouts. Uh, Cameron, uh, won by round two knockout, um, was great for him. And again, with, with, uh, for his amateur kickboxing bout, they wear shin guards, uh, I believe 14 ounce gloves and headgear. So it's pretty hard to get a, a, a finish, a knockout. And, uh, yeah, to get a knockout in round two is awesome. And he, yeah, I think he got three or four knockdowns in round uh, total in the fight, round one, round two combined. Round one, he could have um, also potentially got a knockout or finish. Um, but just need to feel his opponent out. It's not smart to just do a blitzkrieg and sprint. Uh, you need to see what your – the first round oftentimes is um, your calculating round to see – what what your opponent's power is what the reaction times are it's not it's not wise to just sprint at somebody um if you don't have a detailed scouting report and which we didn't on this guy we couldn't find any footage um uh so and then uh brandon uh also won he won by round one brandon hit it was awesome he had a uh like perfect just flow state and and dominated his opponent had more experience than him um, this was Brandon's debut, but his opponent had already fought, and um, I think the promoter might have told us that his opponent was it was his debut as well. But then after the fight in the locker room, when he was he was telling Brandon, it was they were uh, you know no issues. His opponent came to our locker room, was actually telling Brandon that um, that he quote Mike Tysoned him uh, like he he said he tried to walk and he couldn't like he was out out. Um, I think uh, the finishing shot that Brandon landed was like right on the ear, right behind the ear, like an overhand or a hook, and those really disorient you. But he said he couldn't walk straight, and um, and it was a clean KO. Um, uh, uh, Brandon had a really good flow state um, and was just just doing well. He was doing great. He was controlling range perfect. When his opponent would throw a head kick, he would block it and then answer right back. Um, Cameron's was. Um, I think they ruled a TKO. Um, it's still a knockout, but his was much more of a pressure style, and the, it was based off of the first round. His opponent had uh, good kicks and was fighting good when he was pressuring forward, but didn't fight very well when he backed up. Um, so if you have a guy that doesn't fight well when they back up um, and also rely on kicks when you pressure them, it's harder for him to kick. 
Yes. Okay, one second. Um, so when you pressure forward, uh, it makes it more difficult for them to kick. This is a tip as well. Like if you're trying to, um, uh, it's not wise to throw like teep kicks and uh, round kicks uh, when someone's pressuring into you. Because when they're pressuring into you, they can, they can, uh, um, you can't set your feet. If you can't set your feet properly, then they can run through your kicks because your kicks won't have as much power. And even if, um, you know, even if they don't finish you, uh, like Cameron did with his opponent, uh, round two, I told him just, just box, no more kicks. Um, but even if he does, Cameron scored the knockout, um, because he, has heavy hands, he was throwing, landing clean shots. Even if it doesn't knock you out or finish you, it can still score a knockdown because you're off balance. And even if it doesn't score a knockdown, you still look overwhelmed to the judges. So when the judges are, uh, you know, scoring the round, it looks even. Hey, go. The, the judges, uh, it looks bad for you when you're throwing kicks and every time you throw kicks, you're getting off balance. Even if the shots aren't landing clean, but also, if somebody's pressuring you and you're on the back foot and you're only on one leg when they land the shot, you're going to have less uh, support because you only have one leg instead of both legs in a proper stance. So it's more likely to knock you out as well. If you want an example of this, um, Habib Nurmagomedov versus Edson Barbosa is uh, the first one that I can think of. But uh, Habib almost ran. Uh, he didn't actually run, but he was on top of Edson Barbosa. And the reason why he was on top of him was not just because an oversimplified explanation would be that he wanted to just wrestle him and take him down. It's like, no, uh, Edson Barbosa has some of the best kicks in the UFC, um, but he needs to do those at range. And by keeping him backing up, uh, he couldn't set his feet. And not only did he, he did want to take him down, but also it takes away his, uh, his kicks. It forces him into a boxing range. But if your opponent gets stuck still trying to kick, then they're trying to constantly kick when they're off balance. And you're landing heavier shots. Um, but yeah, Cameron and Brandon did awesome, uh, at night on the fights. Um, Austin Swink had a fight. His opponent missed weight by, I believe, six pounds. So that's pretty ridiculous, especially at 125. That's a, you know, good percentage of your body weight that he missed weight by. Um, and yeah, and during the day, Jackson Hunter won the expert division. So, uh, very successful, um, yeah, Saturday, last Saturday. And, uh, and then yesterday, uh, like big, uh, big congratulations goes to, uh, Hunter won the Pan American games. Uh, so he won the Pan American games at Blue Belt. Um, he's our first student, uh, to win the Pan Ams. So that's a really big deal. The Pan Ams, if you're curious about level, it would be one of the major, it's one of the major tournaments. So you have the European Open, the Asian Open, the Brazilian Nationals, uh, the Pan American Games, the World Championships, those would be the biggest tournaments when it comes to the International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation. So Hunter won one of the biggest tournaments, and I would say, you know, number one is the World Championships, number two is the Pan American Games. Um, I've already had a couple people that, um, uh, yeah, I've already had a few people text me or ask me about Hunter getting his purple belt. Um, the, him winning the Pan Ams, he'll, he gets a, a stripe on his blue belt. Um, he still needs to win the, the world championships. He's got the Nogi world championships and the, uh, sorry, the Nogi, uh, Pan American games later in this year and the Nogi, um, uh, world championships. So he still has those to do, uh, at blue belt. So, um, yeah, he gets a stripe on his belt. Um, uh, but, uh, but no, no purple belt yet. 
Um, still got more stuff to do at Blue Belt. Still got more stuff to do this year. So lots of lots of stuff to do. Um, yeah, but that's I mean it's sick. It's it's really really good. It's our it's a it's a milestone uh, for Hunter. It's awesome. Uh, he deserves he deserves all the credit. He he put the work in. He's been working at this like literally seven days a week since since he first started training. Lots of times he trains twice a day, sometimes three times a day, and still balances you know. Um, like owning a house, having a wife, getting married, um, working a full-time job. Um, it's just, it's just to do this, you have to be extremely disciplined, extremely, you have to be obsessed to do it at that level, but also you have to eliminate, you know, you have to eliminate plenty of things. Uh, you, you do have to eliminate a lot of stuff. You don't have to eliminate everything. It's just, you know, you just can't play as much video games or social media or TV, um, and going out. Um, so you, you know, there's a sacrifice no matter what, you know, if you're going out to bars every week, uh, or if you're playing video games, you know, four or five hours a day, um, you're, you're still sacrificing. You feel like you're not, but you, I mean, you're sacrificing that, that championship or that ideal body that you want or your ability, um, you know, whatever it is, or or income, or savings, or investment, whatever. There's there's a give and a take to everything. Um, so you don't have to sacrifice everything. I mean, or you don't have to not have anything. Only have one thing. You just you just can't have everything. So you got to pick and choose your time. Uh, as an, I mean, but as an adult, you really got to pick and choose your time. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that was sick. So um, yeah, Hunter still has more work to do. Um, Later in the year, uh, we got the, uh, again, we got the Nogi Pan American Games. We got the World Championships, but we also got ADCC Trials. We got a good group that's going to go do that. Um, I'm going to do that as well. If, you know, several of you have already talked to you about it. It's, it's October uh, 14th and 15th in New Jersey. So plenty of time to prepare, plenty of time to save money. Honestly, if we get a good group that goes and we, um, and we split hotels and stuff like that, we can make it as affordable as possible. And, uh, but we, we'll have a good group that's going. I've talked to some of the guys from Ring Hill and they're going as well. So we should have a really good, uh, group that goes. Another one to look out for is definitely going to be, uh, Jackson. It wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised to me at all if, um, you know, Jackson and Hunter win the Nogi Pan Ams would not surprise me at all. And if Jackson and Hunter both win the world championships, wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, you know, the, the top three of any weight class are generally pretty tight. So, you know, and all may never know when it comes to illnesses, sickness, injury, you know, there's, there's always a, a fluke thing that could happen, but, um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they, if they both won world championship, which would be awesome because that would be, um, uh, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. That would be a great year if we could have, uh, two world championships. Um, and that would also, that would be the, they would be the only, uh, the, say that, well, I won the adult world championships at Purple Belt in 2009. Uh, I was the first Tennessean, the first person in Tennessee to win adult world championships. Um, the others have won at Master, but, uh, but yeah, I was the first to, to do it. Nobody else has done it since. People have won at Master, but nobody's done it since. And, uh, Hunter and Jackson both could win, uh, the adult, uh, Nogi world championships, the world championships, no question. And that would be, uh, pretty sick because um, that would um, that would uh, that would have the th- the th- the only three world champions all in the same house. Um, but that's like how stuff goes. Usually the 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 people are working together, and that's that's what we're trying to go uh, go for. And we have a lot more people 
um, that I haven't mentioned that are just build. They're still like on the build. They're still working their way up. Um, and it's not going to surprise me at all. So we are, there will be other people that are going to follow. It's the, you know, the, it's the hardest to break through initially, but then once you get a good program going where people are working together and there's good cohesion and good camaraderie and people are working the right way, then, uh, other people start, they start being able to, you know, the first one to break through the barrier, that's the hardest deal, but then you'll get, uh, past that and it gets easier and easier. So let's see. Um, okay. Um, but yeah, we have, you know, we have several, several other people, uh, that are, that are climbing, that are getting really, really good. Um, very similar, you know, but Kale, you know, had a match this weekend, uh, against a black belt. Kale's a blue belt and the black belt did not want, uh, as the kids say, the smoke, right? He didn't want the, he didn't want the match. He messaged Kale and, uh, said, Hey, I was just, I'm just not going to be in. So just letting you know. So, um, but hopefully we can get that rematch Kale and him. That would be a good, uh, good competitive match. Should be interesting to watch. Um, and then other uh, also, uh, and this is one of the guys also that's really you want to keep an eye out for is Xavier. Um, Xavier did the Harpeth uh, wrestling tournament over the weekend. Um, and, uh, yeah, Xavier won all of his matches. He got first place. Uh, um, I believe he said his closest match was 14-2 to two or 16-2. to two. Maybe his tech fall was the closest one. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, he just dominated. But Xavier's... This, he's not some natural, Xavier's not some natural, Jackson's not some natural, Hunter's not some natural. Um, all three of them just spend an insane amount of time studying, training, working, and again, sacrificing video game time or going out to bars and clubs time or, you know, just TV time or video game, you know, whatever. They just sacrifice that so they can train, but that's what they get their joy from. Um yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, Xavier won that tournament, um, and then uh, we're still we got more stuff coming. It's busy season, so spring summer is always the busy season. Um, we got grappling games this weekend. If you're competing in the grappling games, important uh, thing to know is that the grappling games ch- uh, change the date from uh, April first to um, April second, and that was because uh, the the email said that. The email said that grappling games, um, sorry, sorry, checking my calendar just to make sure. Uh, the email said that grappling games, um, uh, their venue was double booked, so they had to push it to the second. So it's Sunday instead of Saturday, April 2nd. So that'll be a busy day for us as well because we're going to have grappling games going on at the same time. And uh, we'll have grappling games um, at one venue and then at the same time the other venue will have the pkb uh muay thai tournament and we got a whole lot of people doing that so we got a whole bunch of our strikers that are doing the pkb tournament we got a good number of our uh grapplers are doing the grappling games jiu-jitsu tournament so next sunday is going to be busy and uh and lots of people are going to do really well uh it's not going to be a surprise um uh so uh, so that's the recap. Uh, congratulations to everybody that's uh, killing it and uh, working hard. And, um, and yeah, keep up the good work. So, sorry. Dog is barking. Let's go to the other room. All right. So now for the actual podcast. Um, yeah, why do people that um, 
that should pace himself while they sprint. Uh, you've probably experienced this uh, if you've trained. You've, pro you've probably done this myself yourself. I've done it myself. Um, so break it down. Uh, if you train with somebody that trains like this, you probably don't like training with them because uh, what they're going to do is sprint and go super hard for one or two minutes. Um, and then once they get tired, then they want to stop and they want to be done. Um, yeah, it's not, not a wise way to do it. Um, I could, I can understand, uh, I've had it in competitions before where, um, like I, uh, tore, I tore my labrum once and had to compete, uh, maybe like six weeks after tearing my labrum. And, uh, again, it's just name of the game. I, I couldn't, I couldn't spar properly. I, I just had to do cardio like on bike and run. Um, but I do remember thinking that I had to, with, I still wasn't getting the proper conditioning because I couldn't do normal jujitsu. I could only drill. Um, but I do remember with that, with some tactics that I had to, um, with the strategy for that match was I have to win quickly because if I, if I don't win quickly, I don't know how long my shoulder can hold up. And also I didn't get to do, uh, the correct type of cardio because I wasn't doing jujitsu for like six weeks and then took a took like a super fight you know made a match sorry one second dog so um yeah so sorry trying not to you're right so we're still here you're right dogs barking going crazy So, all right, apologize for that. <coughs> we had pizza delivery and dog's going nuts. All right. So, uh, yeah, I can get where that would, you know, that would, I've had to do that before. It wasn't optimal. It wasn't the, the best strategy. But like I said, I couldn't, dislocated my shoulder, uh, partially torn labrum, couldn't train for six weeks after the event, but didn't want to back out of the event. Uh, but that shouldn't be your normal training strategy. And uh, that should not be, that should be very few and far between when you would use that strategy. And that shouldn't be your strategy in the gym. That's a terrible way to train. It's going to up the chance of your injury and it's going to up your frustration way more. Um, it's just going to give you too much negative feedback loop. Um, so why do people do it? Uh, first thing I would say is just human nature. Uh, I would say that uh, human nature is, hey, if you want to, I think a very natural reaction. I used to have this when I was younger, and I still have to work against it and fight fight against it. But it's uh, when you have a problem, you're just gonna outwork the problem. You know, just just ram your head, and you want to open up the door, just ram your head uh, into it until it opens up. Um, but that's not the smart thing to do. I've heard of the, I believe it's the Bulgarian lifting style was. Um, there was so much workload, so so much overload that even people on extreme amounts of uh, drugs, steroids, would still just destroy them and just break their body down. And the description they gave was uh, the Bulgarian lifting style. The Bulgarian lifting style was like trying to open a door by ramming your head uh, into the wall beside it repeatedly. Um, and and yeah, I think that's just a human nature thing. It's very if I want to get people hyped up, um, it's very easy, like a call to action, a, a hoorah, like a yell, yell, scream, um, and that there is a time and a place for that, but it's not in day to day training. You'll injure yourself, you'll burn yourself out, and you're also not going to acquire skills at the fastest rate. 
because if you go too intense, there's a balancing act between technique and intensity. If the intensity gets too high, your technique drops. If your technique gets too high, then your intensity drops. There's a nice little spot that you need to uh, play with and uh, constantly adjust. Um, but yeah, just just human nature, and and um, you know you'll see it on movies and stuff. People just again, the, it's human nature. It's the first uh, assumption on how to do something, and that's I go really really hard. And look, and if in nature, with no technology, no training. That is going to give you the correct answer. You need to hit the hardest, you need to hit first, and you need to hit fast, okay? In human nature, yeah, with no training, that is a smart strategy to do. Um, with no technology, no innovation, no no knowledge, um, no martial arts, no, you know, this would be the same with, or anyway, we'll stay on, we'll stay on topic. Um, but yeah, in nature then I can understand. But once you're going against trained people, it's not a smart strategy. Um, and, and honestly, not as only it's not smart, it's just arrogant to think that your, your first natural assumption is the correct one. Okay. And, and the thing that drives me nuts is I'm going to reference really high level people. I've spent my entire life on this, but still I'll have beginners that will not listen to me or ignore it or argue against it. And it's like, I've dedicated my entire life and to training but not only have I dedicated my entire life to training, I've dedicated my entire life to studying people who have dedicated their entire life to this. So it's like I've dedicated my entire life to, to everybody that's ever won a gold medal, uh, world championships, and I constantly – that's just fun for me. I obsessively study and listen to them and read books and interviews. It's, it's – I've liked to do it since I was maybe 12 years old. It's just been really, really fun. It's been the thing I like. Um but yeah, it's extreme arrogance. It's extreme arrogance to have zero training. Um, you know, the if you hear the guy say like, "I just turn red," it's like, "No, you don't. No, you don't." Like you get you get blasted, and you get put out quick. There's no rules on the streets. It's like we're gonna cover that in just a second. It's like, like I, all these these are these are cop outs that are not uh, well thought out. They're not. They're just they're just low level representations of the of what's going on. Um, yeah, so there's an arrogance to it. There's definitely uh, ignorance to it. Um, it's okay to be ignorant of things. I'm ignorant with plenty of things. We all are. Uh, the The more frustrating thing is just being uh, arrogantly ignorant. Um, you know, just just being supremely confident in your ignorance. That's uh, usually what will. Uh, not only will people not like you if you do that, and you'll look like an idiot, but you'll go down. A, uh, potentially an incorrect path for a very long time because you're so confident in the ignorance instead of just like, oh, I think it's like this, but um, I'm open to, to hearing other people's logic and explanation and, and objective reality. I'm trying to observe objective reality as much as possible and trying to calculate in the natural bias um, that I have and uh, and then weigh it against it and find the counter-argument for everything. Um yeah, so uh, da, 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 um, next one. Sorry, I'm just going through my notes. My bulletproof. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, one of the most common reasons for this is the reason why the person that should pace themselves just sprints. Um, and again, they sprint for one or two minutes and they're completely gassed out. Uh, the first one that's obvious is if they just don't know any better, if they're a beginner. That's what beginners are going to do. That's just, that's part of it. And if you're a beginner, uh, instructors, coaches will oftentimes say, relax, you know, try to be technical to relax. 
I actually, I, I'll still say it, but I totally understand a beginner, your first three months training, it's very hard for you to relax. You don't know what to do. It's very hard to try to, if all you have is intensity. So when you first start for the first three months, all you got is intensity. You do want to learn as much technique and you do want to relax. Um, so that you can become more effective. But I understand as an instructor, your first three months, it's very hard for you to relax. And I'm not going to beat you over the head with the relax. Um, or I'm going to at least understand that um, if you don't know the answer, then all you have is intensity. So it's understandable if you're a beginner, uh, just a novice, that's that's okay. Um, more on people that have experience and you know should know better. Um, I would say that's just going to happen when the person's cardio is not is bad. So if they have bad cardio, um, and that could be you know just work got busy, life got busy, had a kid, um, ha- coming back from injury. Um, for some reason, all the time with those, it's like anybody's taking three months off, six months off, and they come back, they try to go super super hard, and it's like there's no reason to do that. Um, no reason. It's not the smart thing to do. You're just going to discourage yourself because you're going to get tired really fast. You, you you're going to get tired faster than you would if you pace yourself. But you're you're not gonna, you know, trying to just sprint and just force something on somebody who has been training consistently uh, when you haven't. Um, it's still not going to work. You're still not going to land the move. It's still going to get blocked. But but you're not having a good training session. You're not actually learning. Um, you're more likely to injure yourself. You could injure your training partner. It's not going to be a cool injury because you're just so much of a beast. It's going to be that you poked him in the eye or you, um, you know, you pulled their finger or something, you know, whatever. You uh, fell on their ankle or something. It's going to be a really awkward thing. But you're honestly, you're more likely to injure yourself um, by, you know, you could pop something in your knee or you could pull a bicep or tear a pec um, by tr- because you're trying to force stuff that's not there. Um, and you really should just ease up. There's this balance, there's the balancing act between being technical and intensity. Um, and when you first come back from, like I said, you had a child, you know, uh, work got busy, injury, you know, just whatever. You just decide to take a break for three months, six months. Um, when you're coming back, you need to come back at a very low intensity and a high emphasis on technique. And that might be that you spar with people that, that you know can do rounds where they emphasize more technique than intensity. Um, and then as you start getting your timing back and your uh, techniques like back crisp, and then most importantly, as your body gets back to its resilient, strong, but also flexible self, then you start dialing up the intensity um, as, you can, as you can handle it. Um, but if you do it that way, you will gradually build uh, the resilience back in your body and you'll get stronger again, you'll get flexible again. Even if you've taken some time off, it will come back. Uh, it's easier to get it the second time or the third time. It's the, the first time that you acquire it is always the most difficult time. Muscle memory is kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, that's that's how you want to do it. But uh, it's it's just gonna it's gonna really really beat you down if you just try to sprint, try everything you can, and then oftentimes you'll see like somebody will sprint real hard and then they'll they'll completely break. Um, and it's because that's that's all they had. Um, so that's gonna mentally beat you down. Um, yeah. Uh, next, I'm just going through bullet points of the things that I've noticed over the years. Um, lots of times this uh, this the guys like this they're they're really like uh, harsh and judgmental on other people. It could be training partners. Or I say training partners. It's like really really harsh. Um, but again, it's always easiest to critique and be super harsh when you're on the sidelines if you're not doing it. Uh, a lot of the 
the best athletes, and I know world champions, gold medalists, uh, NFL players, like they're actually really understanding because if you if you're putting yourself in there and the discomfort, you know what it feels like. You're far more understanding now. You still hold up. Um, you'll still put pressure, and you still hold the standards, um, but also more understanding um, than than somebody. Uh, the, the this same character that I'm talking about will a lot of times be super harsh, critique pro athletes and stuff. And and will not do a local tournament. Won't do a local amateur jiu-jitsu tournament. And if they do, they will like have a panic attack. They, honestly, they won't even do it because they 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 will be too stressed up, just too stressed out to even sign up and do to step on the mat. Um, and you often hear like a you know very very harsh. Now the thing is, the part of why I'm doing this podcast, I'm not trying to wag my finger and say bad bad bad. I'm like I've been this guy before. Where I was way too harsh on myself. I like I have been this guy. I've been this guy that um, I was going too hard. Um, I was not doing it the correct way. And this is why I like to study so much, is because I was trying to figure out a better way to do it. But yeah, I've been this guy, and I was way too harsh on myself, where it's like, if I didn't win every practice, like, it wasn't fun for me. It was not an enjoyable uh, day if I didn't win every round or if I made a mistake. Um, but that's not the best way to learn. It's not the best way to get good, and it will make it less enjoyable. If if somebody taps you, every time somebody taps you, if that just ruins your day, then you're going to hate training. Um it's okay to make you competitive. It should motivate you. It should inspire you to and have you give you something to think about. But I've but I've had you just you need to hear this so that you can start working on channeling it in that way. Um, but yeah, I've had it where it yeah bothers me if I you know um, yeah have a bad session or something like that or, or if I get tapped with something it's like um, something to to battle against. Uh, but yeah, the, the harsh thing too is. Um, yeah, you need to ease up on yourself. Lots of times people that, that go real hard like this, they're super hard on themselves. And you should ease up and you should be understanding. And and the truth is, you know, you should probably ease up and be understanding even on those pro athletes that you're um that you're tearing apart or whatever. You know, I've had um I've had students before like that are like, Hey, I you know, I I, I should know this move by now. I should know this. I shouldn't be struggling with this anymore. And it's like that's that's not how humans learn. It's not not how we learn. It takes us uh time to digest and then all skills depreciate over time. So there has to be some type of um there has to be a mixture of standards and like regulating, maintaining standards, but there also has to be a side of uh, grace and understanding when people fall short and make mistakes. Um, you you got to have both sides. Um, if not, it'll get too soft. And if, if it's just grace and understand, like if everything's too soft, then you won't get actually really good. If everything's too hard and tight wound, you won't get really, you still won't get really good. You'll just burn people out and you'll get them too closed off where they, they'll get, nervous to make a mistake so then they'll get paralysis by analysis because there's too much heat too much pressure um next one uh reason why i've seen it bad coaching bad teaching um i had a lot of this uh i i believe that even if even if you have a bad coach or a bad teacher you can use that to your advantage it can let you it'll let you know when you get a good coach or a good teacher um, and it can, will let you appreciate them. Like all the bad in your life will make the good, uh, feel so much better. Um, but it's also, you, you learn lessons on how, what not to do, how not to act, how not to teach. Um, yeah, the bad coaching, bad teaching, I think lots of times just cause 
their teachers or coaches didn't know any better. So they're just passing along bad, bad information. And like, you know, they, they might've, if they've never won a national championship, world championship, uh, Olympian, like there's, you know, I, like, I remember being in the police academy and doing the, the PT, the physical training in the morning, we were doing sprints one day. And I remember some guys like, you know, a guy hadn't done a sport. The guy was maybe, let's say he was 35 years old, um, but had not done a sport since he was 18 years old and he was giving everybody advice. And, and, and I was sitting there and the, the guy that I used to, uh, my main, like, uh, challenge me and him would challenge each other all the pt sessions uh he had just graduated from ut knoxville he played and he played for ut so me and him got along but we would challenge each other and push each other. we lined up purposely so that we could do sprints beside on each other to see he, he beat me one round i beat him one round we're going back and forth um and i remember me and him just laughing and it was like like we should make a rule if if you haven't done a sport past high school like you should not be given uh coaching advice sports exercise science advice um, yeah, cause this, this guy was telling some of the worst possible advice and it's funny cause it's like you got a UT Knoxville football player and then a pro MMA fighter or like, like that and neither one of us were anyway. Um, but yeah, but that guy was way louder than both of us. He was way louder and people were listening to him just cause he's being loud, but th- he wasn't in good shape either. He was just being loud, just being loud and obnoxious. It was giving bad advice. Um, and, uh, and he was probably giving bad advice that, you know, his coaches probably had never hit like a very high level in competition before. So they were just, they didn't know any better. They're just passing along what was passed along to them. And then uh, terrible, you know, there's movies have such terrible, terrible advice. So if you watch a fighter movie or there's, there's a good chance you watch a fighter movie or sports movie. It's so, just so inaccurate, so, so bad. Um, and, and if you don't know any better, then you will just... Uh, repeat what you've seen on a movie um, even if you don't realize that you're repeating what you've seen in a movie it's uh, just seeps in and you think uh, that's how it is so you know it's a lot of times I'm not I'm not beating up on a coach that's inaccurate because they're just they're ideally uh, you would they're trying to do the best that they can for their people and if that's their athletes and that's if that's the best they know that's the best they're giving Um but that can definitely happen. Um, you know, you could this could apply to everything. You could get bad financial advice from from some from somebody with investments, and it's just because they just didn't know any better. Their parents didn't know any better with money um, when it comes to savings, budgeting, investments, and whatever. So um, it can happen. The the generational curses can get passed down for sure. Um, next one after bad coaching is inflated ego. Um, inflated ego, this is one where it's, uh, yeah, in, inflated ego, I talk about it a good bit, but it's just somebody that if they're not the dominant one, then if they're not the dominant one, then they can't be happy. Uh, you know, like I, I want to be the best, uh, I always want to be the best in everything I do. I work crazy hard, but I also respect high level. And if somebody, because I'm working so hard, if you can beat me, I'll shake your hand and say respect. I know that you got to be really working your butt off if you can beat me because I'm I'm working like crazy. So I I'm not a hater. Uh, I do want to win, but I'm not a hater. Um, but inflated egos believe that they are something that they're not. That they're much higher than that, and uh, and they they can't stand it. To to most of the time, honestly, they won't even train. They'll just avoid it. 
because it just objective reality just jacks them up so much. Um, uh, but it's still, it, you can still get it. Um, you know, the inflated ego, they can still do it. They can still train for years and still, you know, stay in gyms and stuff. They just have little clever little things and whatever. But this is one of the things they'll do sprint real hard and then try to coach you the second half of the round or like sprint really, really hard. Um, and then take two or three rounds off and then get back in and sprint really, really hard. Um, it's nothing wrong with if you're getting back in shape, doing a round, taking a few rounds off, doing a round. There's nothing wrong with that. I would just suggest instead of going 100% like Mach 10 or whatever, um, instead just if you can only do a round and you need two or three rounds off, that's fine. But, you know, pace yourself. Don't 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 make your head explode. Your, you know, your face is like completely red. Um yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. The next one I just got is just a cop out, and the play on words is uh, yeah. When I when I worked uh, in the the sheriff's office, there was there was a lot of the. It's kind of on the ego side too, but I remember a sergeant. Um, he didn't work out, didn't exercise at all, and had no type of fighting training. Um, and yeah, just had an extreme arrogance and just you know he would talk about if anybody ever tried to touch him or grab him he, he would always say it would be handled immediately and it's like oh man this is not like you you have no reason to act like rambo like why are you acting like you're rambo when you have no reason to act like you're rambo um you know uh and, and i would a lot of my coworkers would say age was a problem well you you know you don't know i've heard this since i was 16 years old wait till you're in your wait till you're in your 30s wait till you're in your 40s wait till you're in your 50s um i have students in 30s and 40s and i have a couple students that are in their 50s that are, are yeah in their 50s they're 48 50, 51, 52, 53, um, and they're doing great. Like, like you would be really surprised. You're like, oh, they're 50 years old. I mean, I have plenty of students that are in their 40s. I've actually a good number of students in their 40s that battle it out with 18-year-olds, 16-year-olds, 25-year-olds, and these aren't normal 18-year-olds. I say normal, so not your average. These are like college athletes that are 25, 23, 18. Um, and yeah, these my a lot of my students that are very good students, they're 40, four, they're 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44. Um, and that, yeah, the, of course, age is a consideration. You got to be smart, so train smarter and pace yourself maybe even more or do programming more rest time. Um, but that was a common one. It was, yeah, once, once you're in your 30s and it's like, man, I had, dude, the, a lot of, a lot of fighters hit their peak, their physical, their, their peak between 28 and 32. Um, but again, these are, that's why I said just cop out. There's just a bunch of my coworkers, um, yeah, at the sheriff's office would, um, would say that they were, they were too old and it's like, man, you're not too old. Um, and the, yeah, the one that, the one that I was saying that would act like Rambo, it's like once you, um, uh, at that time, Jocko and Tim Kennedy did not have a ton of podcasts, but it's like, yeah, you hear Jocko, Navy SEAL and Tim Kennedy, uh, Green Beret and, uh, both of them black belts of jiu-jitsu and, uh, and uh, um, Tim Kennedy, pro MMA fighter as well. And uh, and they don't talk like that at all. They don't it's, – yeah, it's wild. They, they have way more credentials, way higher skill level in shooting, fighting, expertise. Tim Kennedy, also a former police officer. It's like um, – but this guy acted so much more arrogant than they did. Um, um, 
Uh, yeah, the mistake, what's happening with this is essentially um, people are, they're running off of enthusiasm uh, or they're really, they're running off like emotion, using emotion as a fuel source. So enthusiasm, anger, um, rage, um, the enthusiasm comes from, uh, comes from, the enthusiasm comes from, like, a New Year's resolution, the anger, the rage, um, you know, maybe comes from somebody who's mean to them or something, and those are good, uh, ways to start your training. They're good, um, things that light the spark, or they are the spark, they light the flame, uh, but they can't be long-term, uh, the strategy. What you're looking for long-term is to be, uh, lifestyle is the goal, lifestyle. You know, right, yeah, so, um, yeah, what I was saying is most of the time what this is coming, like uh, another time I've noticed, I can't say most of the time, but I notice it um, It also comes from uh, people that they their fuel source that they use is uh, emotion um, uh, for their training. So emotion, it could be a positive or a negative emotion. It's good. You want to harness both. The positive would be enthusiasm, you know, your excitement of doing something new. And that fuel source is very strong. Uh, you know, that's the New Year's resolution. Uh, so people start extremely, you know, hot and heavy um, in training. Uh, and then uh, the negative emotional side that that's also valuable, it's good, is, um, is you know, somebody maybe maybe just went through a physical assault, uh, assault uh, or somebody was like bullying you or picking on you or, you know, called you fat or something like that. Um, and that's also a valuable uh, fuel source. It's much better to channel those and use those to, to start your training. Uh, I think that they should start, they should light the flame, but they're not going to be, uh, it's, it's just, they're too intense. It's not possible to, to use that every single day. You could, you could, it's just, you can't sustain yourself with that. Um, what you, the, the, the answer for this, instead of the sprinting, the emotional sprint or using emotional energy so that you're sprinting, uh, and to be able to pace yourself is what you want to do instead of fueling with emotion, you want to fuel with lifestyle. Um, and that means that it does not mean that you have to make boxing your whole lifestyle, Muay Thai your whole lifestyle, MMA, Jiu-Jitsu. It doesn't have to be your entire lifestyle. What I mean by lifestyle is it's a, it's a part of your lifestyle. It might be that you do Jiu-Jitsu two or three days a week and then you lift weights two days a week. Um, and then that's supported with you know everything else from your work and your um, and the way that you sleep and you interact with your family, but it create, and then your diet and all of these are lifestyle things. And then once it becomes a habit, it's much easier to maintain, but it's a cleaner fuel source. And then the cool thing is don't worry, like you're not going to lose your emotions. You're not going to turn into a robot, but when you make it a lifestyle where it hits like a good autopilot, where that's your, your routine that you're doing, then when you get a good bump of emotional fuel, enthusiasm or happiness or, anger, you know, somebody was hating on you or talking trash about you or something, then you get to th- spring, you know, you get to put that on top of the, the normal um, lifestyle fuel source and it, and it still feels good. It's still a good boost um, to your energy and your training. Um, but I've noticed that as well. I th- I'd say that's a better uh, way to fuel yourself. Um, the, the truth of getting good at anything is coming down to compound interest. And for compound interest, it has to be sustainable to, you know, compound interest in uh, get develop, developing skill, muscle, cardio, all of these things. If you sprint, uh, if you started a sprint, you won't be able to sustain and then you'll stop. Um, 
this is also my thing, my critique of when people say like, uh, there's no rules in the streets. It's like, well, uh, again, I didn't come up with this either. It's, it's like, if you want to see it, it's, it's more interesting for a instructor, but John Donahue put out a, a free instructional on BJJ fanatics that you can download, you can watch. Um, but it's uh, safe, safe training protocols. And it's, it's a great one. He's just talking about how to train to maximize to, or to minimize the amount of injuries you have in the gym. Uh, and, um, yeah, if you have beginners that are just ripping heel hooks and just doing like jumping takedowns and stuff, you're going to blow out knees too often. So, um, though there are not rules in the streets, um, it's true. You're never going to actually get good because you're going to have too much injuries if you don't have a smart training protocol. And this is like, I've, the thing is just people, you know, it's just, there's too much information to know. So I'll just go over it briefly, but this experiment has been done multiple times through history. Um, you know, Japan, this happened with, uh, traditional jujitsu and then judo traditional jiu-jitsu and now it's now it's happening again with krav maga i mean it happened with kung fu and karate and then 1993 the ufc you know dispelled that for a bit and then now krav maga the same thing that's happened and krav maga has its clever little little tricks that it does and one of their tricks they do is they they double the price for a membership for krav maga the krav maga gym will cost double what an MMA gym will do. So it will uh, discourage athletes from going there because they know that it's just not the athletic people, you know, even, you know, we'd say military, police, just athletes, fighters. They won't go there because they know it's not the best training, but they can, uh, they attract people because it's such a high price point. They think that they're getting the true real thing. Um, so you're paying double the price. So you think it's really good, but then they back that up with what we're doing is so dangerous. You can't spar. It's, it's too dangerous to spar. Um, so then that really makes them feel it. But this experiment has happened multiple times. Again, it happened with karate and Kung Fu with the uh, beginner UFCs where you could low blow and you could do everything and none of it worked. It, it all failed. Um, and then it happening before that it was in Japan, again, the transition from jujitsu to judo when judo became popular, uh, from traditional jujitsu, not Brazilian jujitsu, but traditional jujitsu, the, they had challenge matches, the traditional jujitsu practitioners challenged the, the judo, um, as you know, it's challenged. I believe they had 20 bouts and yeah, the judo, judo practitioners won just about everything. So this jujitsu would not look like the jujitsu that we practice today. It had a lot of, it would be much more like Krav Maga, had a lot of eye gouges, low blows, you know, things like this, uh, slapping the ears to blow out the eardrums, which all of these hundred percent can work. But the problem is with those techniques, what judo did, what Jigoro Kano did was subtract those techniques and allowed the ones like arm bars and chokes. So that his, and students could practice five days a week against a resisting opponent so that you acclimate to um uh to stress and and you get you understand what it feels like you get good at acting under pressure the jiu-jitsu guys just did their normal just drilling their deadly techniques and then when they fought each other they were allowed to do their eye gouges and groin strikes and everything that was allowed but they still lost just about all of the matches um they they I think they, I mean, I think they, I'm trying, there's a book I read long, like, or I say like 15 years ago. I think they, I think they only won maybe one match, um, um, one or two matches. So it wasn't, wasn't even close. Um, but by subtracting those techniques that you can't drill, that you can't spar, um, it allows you to spar and you, you strengthen the body and the stress inoculation, get more, uh, comfortable with what it actually feels like versus the person who's doing theoretical stuff, but nothing, they're, they're quote, doing super dangerous stuff, but they're never breaking a sweat, sweat or getting their heart rate above 150. Um, and then they're surprised when, you know, it doesn't, doesn't work. Um, 
But, you know, that would be going too soft on it. Too hard would be um, saying everything goes, just doing everything. Well, the problem is if you can only train one month of the year because 11 months a year you're injured, then that's not going to work either. You're never going to get good at fighting if you're constantly injured all the time. Um, you have to strike a balance and you have to, I would suggest to watch it if you want to see more details. Again, it's a free instructional John Donahers on BJJ Fanatics. From a coach's perspective, it's great. Um, and yeah, a lot of my safety protocols uh, have come from that and then other coaches I've had and then my own experience. Um, let's see. Yeah, the you need just consistent training. Uh, so this is the other emotional part too, because lots of times I'll I'll hear somebody that will make fun of emotional people or critique emotional people, but then they'll act quite emotional themselves. So uh, with running off emotion, um, the so anger mitigates fear. So it's the reason why you know if you're really really scared, you will like yell. Or if there's a bear or something like that, anger mitigates fear, and it's and it's good. It allows you to. Um, overcome your fear in a life and death situation and not pro- no problem with it. But the JLE gym is not a life and death situation. Um, but by going hard, you're mitigating the fear of failure and the fear of the, the, the pain and discomfort and the fear of just losing, just knowing that you're just not, you're not as good as the person you're going against. Um, by going hard, by using the rage mode, it's a, it's a way, it's actually an emotional response to mitigate against fear. Um, it's just an interesting observation there, um, especially if somebody's like, you know, prides himself on being logical and rational. Um, yeah, it's uh, using using the intensity and anger to to mitigate the fear, uh, which again in nature and in a life and death situation, nothing wrong with it. Um, but Tuesday night at a, a jiu jitsu class or Thursday night sparring Muay Thai is not life and death. Uh, it's for skill acquisition. Um, and, uh, again, you could, you can objective reality. You, I could be as angry as I want. doesn't matter how angry I am, how motivated, how much I yell. If I run straight at Tim Kennedy when he has a rifle, I'm going to get shot and die. Okay. At that time it would take training technique skills and I, a, a cool, a cool, calm demeanor that's calculated and focused to to win that that situation. No, no matter amount of rage. Um, so that's an obvious way to think of it. Um, you know, also another thing we've been working on. He looks all this week um, on the you know. There's no rules on the streets type thing. Um, like you would never do that at a gun range. Like you would never do that at a gun range if anybody's acting like an idiot and they're not using safe training like protocols and procedure you get kicked off the gun range because you what you're doing is too dangerous to 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 make stu- to, uh, st- stupid mistakes somebody can lose their life um the same thing's happening every time you're sparring somebody could break their arm tear their acl somebody could you know get knocked out or get a concussion um yeah so it's it's again just hopefully that um analogy helps and, and if you're not aware of that no if you've never gone to a gun range or you go to shoot um it is not a wise decision to to spin your pistol on your on your uh index finger like you're a cowboy uh, that's not going to go over well um or you know even though your gun's not loaded uh turn and and have it like face people even though it's not loaded that's this is not going to be a good uh you're not going to do well yeah uh, you're going to get kicked out pretty quick um 
it's not because they're being too soft either. It's because that's what you need to do. Like you have to maintain there. There are rules for a reason, and there's they're they're not just for no reason. Um, same thing for an MMA gym. Um, yeah, and then you know, like I I've actually been doing this. One of my students suggested this to me. Uh, when I was talking about lifting and difficulties I've been having with lifting is how sore I've gotten. And he recommended uh, doing full body workouts, and it's actually helped a lot. Instead of me lifting three, four days a week and separating like a bodybuilder split, I've switched to a three-day-a-week um, uh, full body, three uh, three days a week full body. Um, and I'm having much better results out of it. I feel much greater, much better. Um, I'm not as sore, but I can, it, it feels much better. I get much more of a enjoyable benefit out of my, my lift and still just as strong, getting stronger. My body composition is improving just as much, if not more. And, um, and honestly, my whole body feels good when I do a full body lift um, because I don't completely gas myself out like crazy, crazy as I normally do if I'm doing a, a crazy amount of sets on, you know, legs. Um, but, uh, but I get like a full, uh, I get a, to me, I get a better feeling. It feels like the, 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 the mTOR that's triggered all the, 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 all the bio responses to, to, for muscle growth, um, the entire body gets activated. So that actually, I can actually feel that that feels better. Um, and so, you know, if all of this I just said, you just think it's just my opinion. It's not just my opinion. Um, if you want references, just check out the B team jujitsu page. You could check out New Wave, how they train. And, um, you know, for striking, uh, Max Holloway, you know, is famous now but for saying, uh, talking about how uh, not sparring hard uh, before fights. And a lot of his best performances come from not sparring, uh, not sparring at all, actually, before fights. I still think you need to spar. You just need to spar in a smart way. Um, but, but anyway, hopefully you uh, enjoyed the episode. Uh, see everybody in the gym. See you soon.